What's up, y'all? I'm filmmaker Justin Simeon, and welcome to another episode of Don't At Me, my podcast where we go beyond the knee-jerk reactions with emerging culture makers. I don't know why I put dramatic pauses. It's like I'm trying to be a rapper, but I'm not because the words aren't rhyming. In this episode, I'm going to talk to who I honestly think is the funniest woman on the planet. She's an actor, comedian, and literal dear white people writer and star, DeHaley Hall. I started to realize that I was putting people on pedestals. Like I was like, Jordan is high, Ava's too high, I'm low. Like I was doing that and I was like, no, I am a, a person of worth. Like whether or not I have this job or what have you, I still have value. And it took me, like I had to like really kind of remember the tenets of that. Even though I was practicing it, I wasn't actually living it in my own life and spirit. Today, we are going to talk about Buddhism, waiting on Jordan Peele, and getting out of our shame cycles. It's, it's, it's a lot, but I think you're going to enjoy it. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back, Culture Machines, for another episode of Don't At Me. I am your host, filmmaker Justin Simeon, and with me today, I cannot wait for you guys to hear this conversation uh, between me and a longtime friend and colleague, Zahaley Hall. She is, I think, maybe the funniest person I know. Um, she's a comedian, an actress. Zahaley, you can't react because this is supposed to, you're supposed to be backstage technically right now. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. So DeHaley is a comedian. She's an actress. She's a part of the Dear White People family. You might know her as Dorica um, from every season of Dear White People so far. And you're going to get more of Dorica in season four. And she's also uh, been writing on the upcoming fourth season. So really, really excited to talk to DeHaley. But before we get into that, I wanted to introduce a new section of the Top Bar podcast, um, you know, Culture Machine, which is my production company. It lives on Instagram. It lives on Facebook. It's a vibrant community of people trying to break into the industry. And um, at the top of this podcast, I'm going to answer uh, a question. Uh, from that community. If you want to ask a question, uh, hit us up on our Instagram and particularly our Facebook uh, page. Uh, it's again, it's called Culture Community. Um, uh, we should probably re-record that part because I'm not saying anything that's helpful to anyone right now. I don't <laughs> even think those are the right things that they're called, but it's like, so, let me see, Instagram, it's it's um, it's Culture Machine, but it's spelled weird. Brandon, will you tell the children where to go? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, if you have a question for Justin or any of your industry questions, you can follow us on Instagram at Culture Machine. Uh, it's C-U-L-T-U-R-E-M-A-C-H-I dot N-E dot between uh, before any. And then on Facebook at Culture Community. Yeah, and Culture Community, I think it's under my like Facebook page which is D-I-R Justin Simeon. D-I-R is for director. You know, we made this really easy um, for inconvenient <laughs> for everyone, and that's what I want to stress. Um, anyway, this question <laughs> comes from Ebony Jordan, and she says, Hey, Justin, I love you for connecting with us like this. I would like some advice on film school, specifically Dodge College at Chapman U. That's my alma mater. I'm 31 with two daughters, so I'm considered a non-traditional student. I'm headed there this fall for the screenwriting BFA program. It's expensive AF. <laughs> 
True. Do you have any advice on how I can make the best out of this opportunity as a black student in a predominantly white environment? You did it and you're successful and you being an alumni there was a huge factor in my decision to get my education there. Uh, wow. Well, thank you so much, Ebony. Um, I appreciate you saying all of that. And I, I trust that Chapman will be sending me, you know, some kind of check uh, for sending you there. I don't know if that's going to happen. But um, uh, and I just wanted to say, you know, look, First of all, the fact that you're a mother of two going in there to get your BFA in screenwriting, there are so many things I need to learn from you, okay? You have your stuff together. Good for you. Um, you know, make the best out of this opportunity. Don't follow anybody's rules. Don't don't feel bound by the rules of the industry or what you should do or what you shouldn't do. Follow your instincts. You have something to say, Um that nobody else can speak to, especially there right now. Um, you have a perspective that is yours and yours alone. And I just encourage you to use the time there not only to learn, but to try things, experiment, produce as much as you can, uh, whether that is, you know, screenplays, or if you want to try your hand at shooting something, just get in there and use this time um, to make an experiment and do all the things that are really hard to do uh, when you're out in the industry actually working for a living. Uh, and have a lot of fun and don't doubt your true instincts. Okay, that's what we actually need from you. All right. So having said all of that, Dehaley, welcome. What? What? Yes, Justin. Um, you have anything you want to say to Ebony before we get started? Yes, I was going to say, can I talk to Ebony too? Um, of course. Yes, Ebony. I also went to I went to USC. Oh my gosh, we should get checks. Um, I went to the Stark <laughs> program. <laughs> and or maybe I, they can just take it, knock it off the bill of, of money oh my, I owe them. That's what they should do. That's exactly yes. what they should do. knock it off this bill. Knock it off. Knock it off, USC. <laughs> you don't need my money. Um, so I 100% echo what Justin said. I. Told, I am a first generation um, American, so I just followed a lot of rules. I was like, I got to do it this way and the right way. And it took me a long time to realize that there are no rules. Nobody knows what they're talking about. And it's more about just going out there and doing it and learning on the job. Not to say that school is not important, um, because I met so many incredible people from there and I was exposed to so many things, but to really embrace the experiential knowledge that you have and to never doubt that what you're bringing to the table is also just as relevant and 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 necessary and needed in the industry as well. Amen. And yeah. I think film school is great, but I got to say I learned some of my biggest lessons after film school. Correct. Um, and after school in general. So yeah. you tell us, Ebony, let us know what we need to learn. Okay. Um, okay. Let's talk about, let's, talk about let's just talk about meeting each other. Let's because talk about that. Because Ebony also we, needs to know about that too. Because we Ebony didn't meet each other know, at film school. We did not meet each other at film school and we did not meet each other on the set of Dear White People. That's right. Um, where did we meet each other, Haley? Do you remember? Oh my God. I totally time? remember. I was temping at a job. In Burbank. Um, <laughs> that shall remain nameless. <laughs> that shall remain nameless. That has, uh, yeah, that has a, uh, an animal as its symbol. And then 
Um, I Panda was, Express? Yes. No, at Disney. <laughs> and I can say it. Nobody cares. Oh, yeah, I worked at Disney, too. Oh, really? Yeah. I yes, was, I was a ride host operator. Oh, wow. I was do. I was like a manager of consumer products. That sounds more important. I was tempting there. <laughs> it was really ridiculous. They, I, there was a lot of sweet, free swag. Um, but it was so funny because I was doing this job and I was like making in my mind, the most I had ever made it a temp job. And I, and I had a title of manager and I loved it because again, yes. the Caribbean part of me needing those titles. And then I would drive to Beverly Hills to do that, to do the, the show with you, which was a, uh, it was called brain food daily at participant media. Um, where we would do yes, kind of like BFD. Yes, BFD. It's like a little tongue in cheek because could is it like big fucking deal? Could that be what it means? Uh, right. No, it's brain food daily. It's brain food daily. <laughs> and you saw me there, and you were like, "I want you to be a part of this show," and I was like, "Oh my god, yes!" And I immediately quit that temp job just to be a part of the the show because I really enjoyed it. And. And we were like, we were basically doing like an internet. It was before it was before um, participant launched Pivot TV, and it was sort of like we were on. You know, participant is if you're not familiar, it's a production company. They make movies and docs, but all of their movies and docs, and and they made like Contagion. Speaking of mm, the moment, the pandemic we're it. in, they knew it. Um, all they knew it, they knew it. Um, all of their movies have like a social component to them, and so um, I was at the time helping launch a YouTube channel. This is when YouTube was really trying to expand uh, its reach and compete with, you know, traditional television. And yeah, we had like this, uh, the show brain food daily with news and, exactly. and from comedians. And, and, and my thought was to have you guys come in and kind of write your own material and we would do sketches and, you know, it was, it, it was, was hard. Fun. I mean, participant was, it was like, fun too. Try, it was like the woke, thing before woke was woke you know what i mean and i think yes, that was what have, like i remember us having organic chicken on tuesdays um they care in the kitchen they cared, they cared. non-gmo no bi- antibiotics free range organic chicken also i think that was like 2012 or 13 maybe yeah, it must have. It was right before I I quit, frankly, to go and try to make the movie, Dear White People. It was like right around that time. Do you see the theme? We, we quit jobs for work that we like. We did. There was a lot theme. of. We love to. Quit there was a, a lot of job quitting we in that season for us. Yes. You know, I, you know, I don't love to, but I, I, it was time. It was terrifying also. Um, but then, but then we came to know each other again because, uh, one, we kept in touch, but, um, when it was time to do Dear White People, the series, I had this idea of, you know, I was, I always kind of shade the things I love in that show. And I'm, I was particularly obsessed at that time with, you know, Ayanla's, mm. uh, Ayanla Van Zandt's Fix My Life. Wow. And I was just watching it all the time. And everything that I watch all the time, the characters in the show tend to watch all the time. <laughs> right. And, you know, I, I think we might have even asked Ayanla to come on the show. And, you know, nobody knew who, the, who I was. And then I thought, like, you know who would take this to, like, a whole other level? Oh, my gosh. Is this woman I remember, DeHaley Hall. She was on the show. I did BFD. And we called you... Um, I remember I I forget I forget who the director it might have been Barry Jenkins episode season oh, one I think it, it was, was actually it 100% it was. was 
I was like, and you guys were filming in my office, and I was like down the hallway, and Barry had to come in to tell me to stop laughing because every take you did just completely destroyed me. I've been an author, psychic, Yelp reviewer, bus driver, former Yelp reviewer who got banned for using too many obscenities in a review for a children's theater, and a reader of half of one of Iana Van Sant's books. I've done the work. And for some reason, these people have given me a show to help you do yours. That is hilarious. <laughs> because can I just tell you the audition process for that as well? One, this is something you should never do. But I did not watch Yama. I was I already knew her. I had like in the meantime as a book and I was already aware of her. But I had not watched the show because I was like, you know what? I don't want to do because I had done like. I had done mad, like mad TV and stuff. So where you're doing like parody of somebody, but I was like, I want to be her in what I think my spirit thinks she is. And then mm -hmm. so that I would feel unfettered to just be as ridiculous as I wanted to be. And then I remember doing it for Kim uh, Coleman and she was like, okay, great. Our casting director. Your casting director. And then Justin, I, when I got to set and I was like, Barry really let me, and this is before Moonlight, but he was just such a warm spirit and let me just be ridiculous. And I remember leaving set like, these people must think I'm crazy. Like they're, this lady, <laughs> what have I done to this lady? I am totally making her look like an insane person. And then I watched the show and I was like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I think Iyanla is actually even more extreme in me in some cases. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think so. I, I'm not saying in response to it, yeah. but I feel like since we made that, um, yeah, she's absolutely gone <laughs> further than Dorico. <laughs> but the thing that I love about what you did is it wasn't an impersonation of Iyanla because I remember, like, I didn't want to make fun of what right. Iyanla was doing. I just wanted to do like a funny version, version of that in the world of in the world of dear white people that was speaking to you know stuff that Reggie had going on in that episode and what i love so much is that it's so bonkers in such a specific way that like i remember actually meeting a yanla and in the back of my mind being terrified that she hated me because of Dorica. Because at that time, a few name drops in that first season, uh, it got back to me, like hated my absolute guts right. and wanted me removed from the human species. And I worry that she'd be one of them because I love her. And um, and say? I just remember her coming up to me. And she was like, oh, I, I watch your show all the time. I put it on multiple TVs <gasps> in my house and just leave it on. I love that. And she she said she does that with all the black shows. And I was like, oh, God, that is just what I needed to hear. You are the um, black show. Well, there was me and other black shows. And she just has them on so that the energy is like, I don't know, conducting our way. And I really freaking appreciate that. And uh, But anyway. I, because let me just tell you, not everybody. I mean, what we are saying to you, lady, by doing this is that we love you. That's what we're doing. We're not trying to shade you just because. When we shout you out like that on Dear White People or in general, it's because you're top of mind. You should see this as a compliment. Yeah. I hope that I can remember that if somebody really likes starts to parody me like you will call back this conversation like to Haley they love you and I'm like bitch no they don't what yeah
Okay, so let's talk about you, though. Let's talk about Specifically me. what I want to get into. Okay. I want to get into the NYU days. <gasps> I want to get into the USC <gasps> days. I want to get into the beginning at Mad TV <gasps> days. Can we go there? Let's go to there. Hang? Let's go on our journey. Buckle up, everybody. So buckle, buckle up. up. So I came to NYU as a very sheltered private school, Catholic school um, girl, um, very black, but always, but yes. in the theoretical sense. Okay, because like my dad would like read. Okay. No, because like I'm from a Haitian mom who loved to talk about how with machetes they killed everyone and they were the first and only successful black slave revolt. I mean, that's a lot. That's a, like, mm. you're like, okay. Um, that's a legacy. It's a legacy. And then my father's Jamaican and loved to quote Marcus Garvey. So all of that was like percolating. But I still was very like sheltered, very like in the PWI, predominantly white institutions. And I just really felt like all the ills of the world could be handled with like a sh- just a conversation and a sh- being like, stop it, stop it. <laughs> so I loved going to New York because, but in New York too, I was kind of like still in this kind of wonderful ecosystem of people supporting an artist and and like like everyone was like in it to win it and and it was love it was like a conservatory and i learned how to give massages and like roll on the ground oh. i it was really a lot can i just tell you to wow. be because when my movement teacher was like okay we're gonna get on the ground and like i was like the floor that we all walked in from and like move it was uh, <laughs> do you understand like <laughs> think about it like and what was your major? It was a, I was you, a theater major. Theater? Theater major at Tisch, at Tisch right? But I was also in something called yeah. Experimental Theater Wing. So we were the mm. like rebel wild kids of the bunch. So it wasn't, I expected to just be like doing scenes all day, but instead they were like, make yourself into an animal. What would an animal move like? And I was like, what? You know, it was like, it blew my mind. And I, I like learned yoga. I, this, I didn't know that this was actually yoga, but I was like, this lady's making us do these things like sun salutation. I don't know what this is. And later I found out that that was yoga. And it was like, (laughs) all of this was like opening my mind. And and how did the massages come in? Is the, there anything else about that that you I want to I do say? want to talk about it. Our body okay. is our instrument, okay? So wow. we would okay. get into mm-hmm. these big circles and and one person would massage your back as you're massaging the other person's back and we're just in the circle of massage, just like mm. it was like a circle massage. Um now, I'm going to be really honest with you because I've been watching a lot of this show about cults <laughs> on um, Hulu. Oh my God. And like, um, and it's like, and they go through like, you know, all of these cults in America and some of which you've heard of, like you've heard of, and this is this show, it's not my opinion, but on this show, there was, they had the Jehovah's Witness and they had like, you know, Nexium yes, and they had the like a few other things. Yeah. And it was so, and it all, they always started with like an innocuous <laughs> sort of like introduction to touch. Right. Yeah, but it wasn't, it was sometimes it was a massage. Sometimes it was like, you know, just make a little video of yourself dancing for the leader. <laughs> like it always started very innocuously. And then it would become like full blown, like child sex cult. Like that is very true. But I, so I'm glad to hear that it began and it, it ended. Is. With it was a movement class. It was also just warm up and we would do that. And it was consensual. Um, shout out to <laughs> NYU consent. 
Um, it was in broad daylight. Um, and the, <laughs> not that that, not that it, things like that can't happen in, in, uh, in that, in broad daylight. As opposed to narrow daylight, narrow daylight where all sorts of things happen. Skinny daylight. Then what, but then, what brought you to Mad TV? Well, I have to tell you, I know this seems long-winded, but this is the reason why I was saying this. It was such a sheltered place. Yeah, and then when I got out of mm. NYU, I was like, I don't want to do anything but films. I don't like television because that's beneath me. I am an artist. It's either Broadway or films. And then right away, yes. <laughs> this, is, this is what happens when you're just like... <laughs> like there are two choices. Listen. Broadway... Or, or an Oscar. Oscar. What? Which one's What's it, it going to be? be, you guys? What do you want to okay. do with me? And because I, I done really well in school. And so then I got up to New York and then they were like, mm, we don't know what kind of to do with you as you black lady. And I was like, black lady? I'm a thespian. I'm not just black lady. Did someone call you a black lady? Yes, because casting directors look at you as a type. You're like, this kind of black yeah. lady or that kind of black lady. That, and I did not know that, Justin. I thought I was just a thespian with an NYU degree and I could do it all. And so that's what got me doing stand-up because I was like, oh, with stand-up, at least I don't have to wait to get the okay from an audition that I got the part. I can just make my parts up, start doing that. And so I started doing stand-up, doing different characters on stage. And then I was like, you know what? Being out here in these New York streets for a year is a lot. I think I need more school. Um, and <laughs> I was like, the key for me is learning the business. Once I learned the business at USC, uh, at the Peter Stark producing program for film and television, then I will be able to be in the films that I want. <laughs> there it is. Again, my naive self went to there and it was great, but I also was like, that's why I was telling Ebony, realizing like, it's really all about like learning yourself. Cause I remember being in my film study class and I, I have told this story before and we were going to watch birth of a nation and uh, I was like, hey, uh, just want to let you guys know, um, this is going to be very triggering for me. Uh, can we not talk about just D.W. Griffith's like deep focus after this and talk about how this movie like reignited the KKK and also started black independent cinema? And I remember. Oh, my God. Haley, you were speaking my language. Keep going. I love that you knew that already, by the way, at that Thank time. Thank you. And this was back in the day. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say how old yes. I am, but you can unfortunately Google wants to put it out on blast and fuck them. 20, 24. Um, 24. 24. 24. You're 24. Own I'm 24 it. 24 years old. Okay. Um, but they, but then my, my Dean was like, Oh my gosh, thanks for bringing that up. And this is my Dean, like, like produce the graduate, which is like one of my, like I, my parents love that film and I enjoyed it. And so I really looked uh, He's a very nice man. Um, but he was like, why don't you teach the class about that? And I was like, <gasps> girl, oh. I'm spending $35,000 a year, sir. Oh. I want to teach this class to all of my white classmates. This is not what I'm doing. Can you not hire someone? Also, I'm learning. And <laughs> <laughs> what ended up happening was like, 
they just pulled the film. They were just like, all right, we ain't going to show it. And I got such... White people they always do this. They love to do this. If it's too hard, just pull it. They love to do this. Just take the black character out or just take the movie out or just, just take it offline. It. We don't want to have an extended conversation Never happened. About Never mind. Because a lot of people do not know this. I did not know this when I was shown Birth of a Nation in film mm. school, which is that not only... It's not like they made this movie... And all of America was like, this is the best movie ever made. And then like 50 years later, we're like, wait a minute, is this racism? It wasn't like that. It came out. The president of the United States at the time was like, this is like uh, the history of the nation written with lightning was the first film shown in the White House. There were lots of people who loved it, but immediately the NAACP was in protest of it. Um, Lots of black people were in protest of it. And it actually spawned the career of Oscar Michaud, who is a who was, you know considered the first black filmmaker in America, but really he, he also is, he created the, the American independent film movement that we attribute to a bunch of white people in either the seventies or the nineties, depending on where you were taught. Um, But he, uh, you know, in response to this, there was an, there was a whole black version of Hollywood there. we, We had our own stars. We had our own theater chains. We had our own, you know, writers and directors and community. And it, it was, you know, maybe around the 30s, or the 40s when Hollywood said, but that's money that we want, though. And they sort of basically destroyed the black independent uh, uh, market and made movies like Cabin in the, in the Sky and, um, you know, Hallelujah and these sort of early black musicals and, you know, filled with racist imagery and all this stuff. But it was a start, you know, got to start somewhere. And um, and those films are, are great and I think worth looking at. But nobody even knows about the all black independent film community that existed before that. It's never talked about. It is never taught. You are never shown those and, films. And good for you for knowing that. let me tell that. you also, Justin, I was really tortured by that moment because one, he when my when the dean pulled the film. I was like, wow, did then now I have missed this opportunity to educate these people on it. I didn't want to be the one to do it, but like I didn't expect him to just like scrap it and now they don't really know. I mean, we sent it in an email like this is what was happening, but that wasn't do you know what I mean? Like the weight of what was happening was like missed. And so then I was like, am I it's that feeling like you have of like not always wanting to feel like you have to be this ambassador and this like knowledge center for everyone. It's like, come on, let's start doing the work, but then realizing if you refuse to do it, then somehow you've, um, you've missed an opportunity to, um, to, to educate like, and like improve things um, moving forward. Here's the thing. You and I could literally talk for 15 hours. I know. So I'm gonna Wait, do, do, so I'm gonna do that thing that interviewers do where like I'm yeah. nudging you on, but I'm okay, I'm, gonna nudge I'm, you. I'm I'm with I'm you, gonna... okay? Like I love everything that you're telling me. But I do want to know how you got to mad. Okay, I'm gonna tell you how I got to mad. Tell I it. got to mad by I do feel like I have to tell you this one tiny story. It's gonna take three seconds. I was tell doing it. the groundlings doing the groundlings and I did not 
I was, and I did not really move up at a certain point I was doing well. And then I stopped moving up and it was clear to me because I wasn't hanging out with a lot of the people and they just felt like, could they trust me? I wasn't like hanging out. Like we didn't know if you were cool is what I was told. Um, and I was like, so what? devastated. Yes. Cause I wanted to go to Wait, you didn't get promoted because they didn't know if you were cool or not? Yes, Justin. Do you see why I needed to tell you this part of the story? (laughs) Yes, because what it's important in these kinds of institutions, these comedic institutions, they need, if you have, there's a black person, they need to know that you're like, cool you know that you can like hang with them what does that mean what it means is like that they don't feel like can they say the n-word around you without you like flipping out is that like can we make racist jokes without you tripping is that what they mean it's more like we don't want to feel like like we don't know we want to know that you're non-threatening we want to know that we we can go to a party and feel like you're gonna be our friend and then that we're like, you think we're good people. I, I have no idea what it was. Cause I had no wow. idea it was a thing. I'm again, some of you guys from the groundlings could call me to tell me what you guys meant by that. But what was happening was <laughs> I remember it so succinctly. I, I did an amazing show. Cause the show is what gets you moved on into like, you know, like Sunday company and like their advanced thing. And they said to me, um, Oh my God, you're so funny. And you're really nice. I just, we really wish we had known how cool you were. And I was like, what? And then when I didn't get moved up, that's when I was like, oh, that's what they meant. They were like, if I had hung out, if I had gone to more parties, if I had accepted their invitations to like go get drinks. And the reason why I didn't go get drinks was because I was trying to make my own shorts. I didn't know me saying no was them. You were busy. Yeah, was me like lo- them being like, they don't want to, ha- she doesn't want to hang out with us because of what? But also hanging out with people is not. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so annoyed. I'm so annoyed. No, we but that's the whole what show. Hollywood is about. <laughs> it's about hanging out. It's about making friends. It's about people thinking of you as your their friends. And I did think of them as their friends, but I also thought me telling them I'm making a but short were- would make sense. Anywho, well, you're. A, a, I think what they meant is that you weren't white, so Correct. they weren't sure. They weren't sure. <laughs> but, <laughs> they could, but the, if they could project onto your friendly project, things, it, they were shadow working. So the thing that <sighs> the thing that was the biggest, like, f you, but also the wonderful moment was go, self submitting myself to Mad TV and booking mm. the part like that was like i had that's everyone's goal when you go to like groundlings or ucb and ucb was another place where i was i got to ucb after being on mad tv and i still couldn't get on any of their teams so anybody is like oh why can't they it doesn't matter um these people are not the gatekeepers you you just keep doing your own stuff but yeah so i self-submitted a tape to like um and um this casting director, Nicole Garcia, shout out to her, really was like, I helped me. Um, she was like, you're really funny. I was pretending to be Oprah in, not even in my audition. I was just talking about her. And she was like, you have to put that in your huh. audition. And I got to work with um, uh, Keegan-Michael Key, who was playing Barack Obama at the time, because it was in 2008. Yes. And I met Jordan Peele, and I did some sketches with him. You played his mom. I played his mom. You played his mom, mom. Yes. Yes. 
You, we, I remember watching that in the room and just dying. <laughs> it was so fun. And then he was in a sketch I actually wrote for the show, too. He played a spoken word poet man that I was in love with. And yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so awesome. Well, I remember Mad TV very fondly. Um, because it was like, you know, it was like the next generation of In Living Color. And it was, it was for me at that time in particular, it was a lot cooler than SNL. And I was actually talking with, um, with Brendan and Ali about this. It, it's like, I go back and I watch clips of SNL from that time period. And I don't find them funny at all. Like I don't get that. It's a very specific mm -hmm. kind of white intelligentsia, Harvard graduated kind of funny that just really, it didn't, doesn't translate for me outside of the moment, but those mad TV sketches are still so freaking funny. How, how was it like on that show? I mean, I, I just remember loving the show and, and being upset that it didn't seem to get as much love as SNL. Well, it had a very similar trajectory of like what's happening with like Netflix and stuff in that it was one of the original shows on Fox. So it was still being licensed mm. by David Saltzman and Quincy Jones. So Fox was mm. like, are you going to share? And they're like, nope, we're good being independent. And they're like, okay, then, well, we don't have to promote you as much then. You know, it was like, that's the business oh, of stuff. Oh, mm -hmm. my God. I'm putting out a lot of, a lot oh. of tea out there. No, I didn't. I didn't realize that that's what it was. I could never figure out why that show didn't get the same amount of love. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. Yeah, when you well, okay, yeah. so yeah, so it no, go ahead. No, go ahead. all I was gonna say was it was such an amazing time to be on that show, but I it was such a brief time too because it was right in the middle of the writer strike. So it was like at I at, in in one fell swoop. I became uh, a, a member of the union, the actors union, member of the writers guild reunion. And the show was put on hold because of a writer strike. It was like, rah, rah, rah. Uh, yes, uh. it was a very, it, it was, uh, and, and it was a tough time. Like, like for several years after that, because Justin, what happened for me, it was like, getting your own parking lot, I mean, parking space and your trailer and then getting press and like all this kind of stuff made you feel like for me anyways, I was like, this is the life. I want to do this all the time. And it almost made me forget. It did a little bit. My independent spirit. Like I just was then chasing mm. being accepted again by the industry, getting another audition like that. And I went the route of, um, I started waiting tables and because I was like, that's what actors do. There's nothing wrong with waiting tables, but I just felt like that's what I need to do. And when my big break comes back again, and I remember like bringing Jordan Peele to his table. Woo! <gasps> oh, what? Okay, we're going to pause. We're going to pause right there because we're going to come back and you're going to tell that story right after this okay. break. Okay, we are back. We left in the middle of a juicy tale. Oh my god! So you were on Matt. You were on Mad TV. Correct. You were there with Ian Peel, Jordan yeah. Peel, Keegan Michael. Correct. And after Mad TV ends, I'm a host. You are now waiting tables. I'm a host. You're a host. Not hostess. even a, at this point. I don't think I was even waiting. I was a host. I was a host. You were a host mm -hmm. at, a, at restaurant. a restaurant. 
And in walks Jordan Peele. How'd that go? In walks Jordan Peele. <laughs> and um, I was I was at Little Dom's in Los Feliz. And I was like, hey. And I, I was able to do the most for him. Get him a booth. You know, that's the, the power that I wielded. Um, yeah. You know, and he was like cool about it. But I could tell it's kind of a lot. I think it's like, you know, like you're like, wow, this was my castmate. I'm now having my own show. And the thing that's so funny is, and this is now what I've learned to do, but I didn't have that skill set. In that moment, I could have been like, Jordan, look, I am still out here and I would like to send you my stuff and I would love to be on Key and Peel. And I, you know, I'm funny and it, it would have been fine. But instead I came into full shame cycle. And so then he had mm. to deal with me in a shame cycle. And so there was no way to like move and like actually progress my career long. And so for a long time, I was in a shame cycle that did not advance my career. And um, I Let, just think let's it's break important. that down because, well, one, I appreciate you bringing this up because this is hard stuff to talk yeah. about. And, and, you know, this shame cycle that you talk about, I think is so familiar to me anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that that period of time when you know you've got something, you know you have something and people are responding to it, but you haven't quite figured out how to translate that into paying your rent or, you know, progressing in a career way or whatever. I mean, I, I certainly was in that mode for so many years and it can be really hard to motivate oneself mm -hmm. during that quote unquote meantime period. Yes. You know, we're going back to Ayanla yes. here. Um that's actually when I bought that book. I was in a, a mean time myself. Um, what 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 was that experience like? What got you through it? Well, uh, it was there were a couple of things, and I, it also happened also with Ava DuVernay too. I she had just been doing Selma, and I was doing the line at UCB, meaning people like taking tickets. And she was like, "Oh, to Haley, are you performing?" Because she was like a. Um, at, I had known her as a publicist and I was like, yes, I am. And, but I, you just missed my show. And I ran inside and I was like, I can oh. never go back outside again. And that was another shame cycle. And the thing that oh. got me out of it. And I think you, you and I both are Buddhists um, was like, I started we really ch like chanting, practicing in earnest. Cause in our practice, it's like, you have the Buddha nature within you. There's no one above you or below. We all have it and we all have that. And I started to realize that I was putting people on pedestals. Like I was like, Jordan is high. Ava's too high. I'm low. Like I was doing that. And I was like, no, I am a, a person of worth. Like whether or not I have this job or what have you, I still have value. And it took me, like I had to like really kind of remember the tenets of that, even though I was practicing it, I wasn't actually living it in my own life and spirit. And so then I was like, if you really believe that to Haley, then you can then reach out to these people as your friends and colleagues and be like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. And that's exactly what happened with you. I was like, Justin, I've written something. I know I'm on the show, but would you, and it took me a long time, by the way, I think I talked to you about this. Like we had dinner we yes. had dinner and I still talked so myself this is after, out of it. Just to, just to set the table for everybody. So DeHaley and I um, and her lo lovely husband and my partner, Rick, we all had dinner one night and this was after season two. No, this is after season three. And you'd yeah. been, you know, in three seasons of the show. Uh, 
And yeah, you started talking to me about the potential for writing, but I didn't think that you were even that into it at the time. Like I didn't quite know <laughs> if you wanted to write for the show. I couldn't tell yes. at the time. Because the shame part came but in too. To- it like came in. I was like, oh my God, I, he's thinking like he's, he, I'm begging him for a job. It's he's awkward. He's going to feel awkward. I'm his friend. And now I'm like putting him in this awkward position. It was so insane. Like, this is what the shame and weird cycle happened. And then I again had to like recognize, and I was like, no, Justin is a smart, capable person. He has been able to, he will read my material like everybody else. And if he feels like it works for his show, he will bring me on the show. And if he doesn't, that's okay. Like none of it is like, I'm not doing anything to harm him by asking him to consider me. And I had to like literally have this conversation with myself and then be like, fuck it, I'm doing it. Justin, can I send you something? And then you were like, yeah. And then when you answered like that, I was like, wow, I have really been tripping. I really have to keep stopping myself from going into that place because you were so receptive and I realized all of it was in my head. Isn't that funny how we have these like ongoing conversations in our heads with mm. ourselves and like representatives of other people in our imaginations? Like, I, I mean, it's like it can be constant, I think, for most people. Yes. And then and it has nothing to do with reality. And we find nope. that out and then we go right back to it. <laughs> <laughs> right back to it. It's like we learn the lesson and then we forget the lesson again. Yeah. Now, I, yeah. I, I like to, I like to talk about this too. I like to talk to this about talk about this with in particular people who are in comedy because there is this very common thing that you find where, you know, in comedy, people's lives are really split. There's an onstage mm-hmm. persona, uh, which is a which is them. It's absolutely them. It's like kind of like the best of them. And then offstage, yeah. like what we kind of lovingly call often in the room, the shadow, uh, (laughs) (laughs) the shadow sort of like needs to find a place to live too. And so that's what people encounter, you know, when you sort of, when, you know, all those stories of meeting a comedian and they're not, they don't want to be funny. They don't actually want to talk to anybody and they're assholes and they're mean. And they're, you know, there's these, you know, dual lives. You are a person who is funny all of the time, I have to say. And, I, and I'm just, I wonder, like, you know, how does, how does your shadow self operate? Are you on all the time? Are you, are you laughing all the time? Are you, like, what, is there an off stage to Haley I haven't met yet? Ramil, my husband, would, and, uh, would beg to mother freaking differ. This was us, <laughs> this, this is me this, all this morning. He's like, why are you so sad? Why are you so sad today? Can you tell me why you're sad? <laughs> this is you. This is you talking to Ramil. This is, this is this is him talking to me today. <laughs> today, whatever day we're shooting, we're recording this. He's like, he's like, <laughs> we wake up and he's like, why are you so sad? And I was like, I don't know why I'm sad. He's like, but I'm just, well, why? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just sad. And then the thing is, <laughs> I think. But why? I'm sad. And the thing, I think what happens is I knew I had this to do this recording with you today. No, that's not what made me sad. But I was just like. And you were depressed over that. I get it. No, it was like almost like my inner body of like energy, love, light, laughter was just like in stasis. And like, I guess my shadow of like other feelings 
like overthinking analyze was like, well, I know you're going to be laughing and stuff and checking it up with your good friend, Justin. So can we just have the morning to just make you sad? And then we'll leave and then you can just laugh it up with your friend. Um, I love that. And I love, I love that Ramil called you on it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, by the way, I, I started listening to this book on tape. It's called Passionate Marriage. And, um, I highly recommend it. But one of the things that. that he talks about, and it's it's he means marriage in a kind of hypothetical sense. So it's for married people, but it's for anyone in a long-term relationship, really. And he talks about how partners in long-term relationships are almost perfectly designed, uh, even when they piss us off or when we piss them off, like partnerships like all by themselves sort of make us better people because they they make us look at parts of ourselves that otherwise we would we would you know, run away from and hide away from. And that scene between you and Ramil is the exact scene between me and Rick, except, the, you know, in, in the roles were reversed last night, but they, they easily go back the other day where one of us is like, are you okay? Are you okay? Stop <laughs> talking to me. I'm great. You know, it's like, oh, hey, yeah, no, this is, this is all very healthy. Oh my God, um, that is exactly it. Are you okay? Should be the shirt we wear. Hi, are you okay? Hi. Yes, I'm fine. Exclamation mark. Um, I know. Well, I I appreciate you asking that because it's true. I I don't think, though, I do also feel like those other comedians who are like real assholes and very like ugly people. I also think that sometimes I, I shouldn't be judgmental about it, but I sometimes think maybe their humor is coming from that place that is very ugly and dark as well. Um, mm. I my humor has never been from there. It's it comes from my own like shame and pain and stuff like that. But it's never like to like hurt someone. You know what I'm saying? So right. yeah. Okay, yeah. so now we've we've come to the portion. Okay. Okay. Um, We've come to the portion of our podcast oh my God. where I know this is a lot of pressure. Daily. So much pressure. It's a lot. So okay. this is the section called at someone where I ask my guests to shout out, you know, a creative or someone on, on, you know, whether it's their username or just their name name that the rest of us should be checking out and, and, and enjoying in some way. Who, who's that for you? No pressure. Okay. Just a little I, bit no of, of unyielding pressure. Unyielding pressure. Um, I'm I'm a part of a book club, and uh, we're now reading some horror. And I usually do not like horror, but we've been reading Tanana Reeve, um, and mm. Reeve Do is her name, and we're reading The Good House, and she's uh, it's been really incredible. I've been like a huge fan of Octavia Butler, so if you have not read her, you should be doing that. But I just love. The, seeing black women in sci-fi and in horror in these spaces trying to bring like new dimension and um, like bringing our work that's like historical or whatever, but then exposing it to a bigger like context Um, because 2020 and what happened with Breonna Taylor, the fact that people are still not arrested for like all of them, yeah. That's a horror show. Like we are living in a living horror. And so 
the fact that we can now, as um, women and people of color, write these horrors um, and put them out as a way to excise and expose and educate, I think is really powerful. And what was the name of that novel again? The Good House. Okay, and The Good House by Anne Leary? <laughs> no. Her name no. is... Oh, it's Tananan Reeve Du. So okay, so, spell that because when I Googled the good house, a white woman popped up named no, Anne Leary. No. And that's she seems lovely, work. but that's not what you're <laughs> that's to. How they do you. No, T-A-N-A-N-A-R-I-V-E. So Tanan Arrive. Do is how yes. you um, and do and like, there is a white woman that wrote a book about a house as well. You can read that if you want, but that is not who DeHaley was talking don't do about, that. just so she, you're clear. <laughs> she teaches at UCLA and she does a, uh, a show of a thing on black horror. And she starts with even like, you know, D.W. Griffith, because that was like a first mm. horror film that was about us. And yes. um, and then takes it all the way to, you know, get out and us and and she chronicles it. And then it was really incredible to see kind of like what uh, what was happening um, in those um, films. Uh, so she's written a book called um, The Good House. And she also has I think she's a showrunner on something that relates to like black sci fi. Um, yeah. That's cool. I also I also feel like shouting out Xavier Bergen, who has um, a, a documentary on Shudder called, I think it's called Horror Noir. Of course, yeah. now I'm forgetting. I think that's what it's called. And it's really great. And it also, you know, it begins that's the her. story She's of the EP of that. Oh really? Yes. Oh my god! What a what a small little the, on the doc horror noir on Shudder. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 So, oh, cool! Yeah, the the director of that um, has become a good friend of mine. Um, so that's that's really cool, and it's a yeah, it's a great doc. And it, that's so full. So that's so wild. It's a great doc, and it, it it draws the line between Birth of a Nation, but also things like King Kong, things like you don't even realize were racial to the audience that saw them at the time, but were. Um, I and it's a, it's a really interesting. Yeah, I mean, black people know, but like white people don't know. They don't know. Yeah. (laughs) They don't always know. Um, Okay, so now we have come. I'm actually sad that we've come to the end of the podcast because I love talking to you. um, But we have come to the don't at me section, okay? Where I'm going to ask you three questions. Yes. You can only say don't at me to one of them. And I have to tell you. I normally give softball questions that people answer all three to, but the last time I did this, mm. the guest used a don't at me. So it might get real. I don't know, DeHaley. I don't know how this is going to be for you, but are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Fantastic. Okay. <clears throat> what, first question. What is the most embarrassing moment that you've had in the Dear White People's writer's room? Ooh. Okay. Okay. Wait. Should I hear the rest of them? No, that's the first. No, you can. You can. You you're gonna hear them one at a time. But you only have one okay, don't at me that you can use. So, my most embarrassing moment was I was recording an audition in my car during like our break, and um, 
It's not even that embarrassing. It was more like embarrassing for me. But I came back and I realized people had done the Starbucks order and not included me. And I was so motherfucking hurt. I was like, I would totally have been like, where's so-and-so? And I was like, you all talk a good game, but couldn't recognize that I was in my car and you missed it. And it was so funny because Jack was like, oh my God, Dehaley, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine, Jack. No, I'm fine. And he was like, ah! He's like, I'll get you the the order. And then like his assistant Sarah was like, we can make you something. It was so crazy. And I inside of my mind, I was like, stop being upset. And then later I went into Jack's office and I was like, I'm sorry for getting so upset. And then cried. Um, so that you was didn't my- cry, Jahey. Because I was mad that I got mad. And when you get mad that you're mad for me, I cry about it. I'm like, damn, oh. I'm so mad that I was mad. And then it's I such a treat. Again. Even when you're reading someone for filth, it's enjoyable. I just want you to know that. I was embarrassed. Question number two. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, what what movie or TV show oh. from the past, let's say, yeah. ten years? Okay, yeah. we'll get tw- twenty years. 20. Anything after the year two thousand would mm. have been better, better if you were the lead instead. Oh. Oh my God, I love this question so motherfucking much. (laughs) Um, Insecure. (laughs) I'm just joking. No, I'm kidding. Please don't at me. No, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. No, the reason why I'm saying that uh, um, is because I knew it would make you jump out of your chair. Um, But um, also the show is is very is not about like insecure in that way these people are fabulous and looking jazzy i'm still very awkward i would probably have been more the awkward black girl person um wow so you're sticking with insecure no i'm not i'm not yeah. because i do not yeah. want the wrath of bl- black hollywood to come after me no but I. no other think, answer has been given <laughs> i'm gonna give it to you right now i think i would have done much better as the show um I think I would oh I know I would be better um as the show um as Seinfeld I could have been a better Jerry Seinfeld in living in New York living my best life <laughs> What? I think would that's valid. Would be called Seinfeld? It would be called Hall. And <laughs> it would just be called DeHaley. And I would have a racist Kramer next door. It would have a different vibe. I would be so like... So it wouldn't be anything get... like Seinfeld at all. It would just be a no, different it show. It would be a different show. <laughs> um, well, I, I, I'm here for that. Um, yeah. Okay. Last don't at me question. You're doing very well. You have not said don't at me yet. <laughs> What is your most unpopular opinion right now? Ooh, what is my most unpopular opinion? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I was gonna say my most pop- unpopular opinion is probably like, we should forgive Kanye. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Okay, let's get I into think- that for a little bit. Yeah, I think what happened was, this is my now my new theory about Kanye. 
I feel like he was writing for black people when it wasn't really cool. You remember Katrina? He called I people do. out. George Bush, <laughs> you do George Bush doesn't care about black people. He doesn't people. care about black people. And the vitriol, not only just from whites, but blacks as well. Then whites. you saw then you saw his mother pursuing plastic surgery, dying for that. And then he also saw him trying to ride for his best friend's wife, Beyonce, when she was robbed at an award show and being like, she's robbed. Don't we all see it? And then yes, because- and, and you're right. And at that moment, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with you because at that moment, everybody, including me, we were like, okay, that's not how I would have handled that. But I, he's not wrong, guys. Like, he's there's not no, wrong. He I was no lies. And he went into the full sunken place after that. He's like, I am writing for black people and they are not having my motherfucking back. And I'm now going full bore onto the other side. My mother wanted plastic surgery. Now I'm going to be with the lady who has the most plastic surgery. I'm going to be with the the, the family that uh, is most um uh like commodifies black culture because I feel like I've been commodified and I feel like that is where the break happened. Like I really do. And so he's you know that's where I think it's happening. Haley, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Um, it's 80 like minutes go- we've been talking. What are you going to do? We've been talking. I don't know. I think I'm just going to like go to sleep. Do it. Sorry. No. Well, I don't know what's going to... I mean, we kind of just chatted for the first 10, so I don't know what's going to okay. happen. But, um, you know, I think people will appreciate it. So really okay. quick, though, before we go, yes. I want you to give a note to self. One yes. thing that you would tell yourself, either when you were starting out or... When you were coming back after the mad TV of it all, tell me who you'd like to talk to and what you'd like to say to her. Oh, thank you, Justin. I would say, hey to Haley, you're okay. Really, just be easier on yourself. I know you have a lot of dreams and goals, but you're going to get there. The biggest thing that I want you to do to Haley is be nice to yourself and just appreciate yourself even when things aren't happening because... You're a good person. Oh, that's lovely. I hope you can listen to that self to that self in the present day. I know it was a word for me as well. Thank you so much to Haley. Where can people at you? What social media are you on? Um, let the people know how to follow you. Thank you so much, Justin. I am on my Instagram is Dehaley, D-A-H-E-L-I-T-V. And I think I have to change that because nobody knows how to spell my name and I need more followers, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, and some lady who doesn't even post has my actual name. It's very frustrating. Oh. Um, I've been trying to pay her to give me my name back, and she is not responding. She lives in Brazil. Um, so Dehaley at her Twitter, it's just at Dehaley. Um, so yeah, please, you know, hit me up on those spaces. You love it. Dehaley, I love you so much. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for listening. And if you love the show, please leave us a rating and a review. And please at me, 
your host. I actually do want to hear from you guys. It's at Justin underscore Simeon on Instagram. Also follow Culture Machine, our production company at Culture Machine Co. On Instagram, credit today goes to Jason Smith, the CEO of Starburns Audio, Jessica Gutierrez, our audio engineer, Judith Cargbo, our production coordinator, Chris Bowers did the theme song, Dominic German did incidental music, and thank you, Aaliyah Jihad and Brendan Smith for producing on behalf of Culture Machine. See you next time. Starburns Audio, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.